Welcome back to the local edition. I'm Jason Dole. This weekend, there was going to be a holiday market and fundraiser supporting local cannabis farmers in Kingston, New York. It was called Local Smoke, and it's not going to be happening now, but we're still going to talk to one of the organizers to learn more about this event, but also to find out uh, what happened to it. And it was a collaboration between Kingston, Chronogram Media, and New York Small Pharma. So let's hear more from Nicole Ricci, president and treasurer of New York Small Pharma. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. So, and I should also point out to listeners that small pharma is spelled with an F, so that's F-A-R-M-A. Can you give us a brief overview of what small pharma is and how it came to be? Sure. Well, New York Small Pharma was founded by a group of activists in New York uh, several years before legalization happened, and they were uh, fighting for legalization, for social justice, um, and redress to those communities most impacted by the racist uh, implementation of the drug war, as well as ensuring that we have the right to have home grow, the right to grow outside, and that this new industry consider the environment so that we don't have all the same missteps of our past industries, which are extractive and take away from the environment and cause environmental degradation. Cannabis has the potential to regenerate and rejuvenate uh, the soil and the environment, including the climate. So we push for regenerative cultivation of cannabis and raising awareness about that. So can you tell us, like, what what was this event going to be and now why is it not happening? Sure. Well, the event was going to highlight social and economic equity uh, participants in the cannabis industry. Most of the farmers are economic equity uh, licensees because they are struggling small farmers. These are all sun-grown farmers that use the sun to grow their cannabis, some in greenhouses, some actually outside. And it was to highlight the local farms from the New York. There's so many outside brands that have moved in already to New York that are on the shelves. This was just local cultivators owned by local New Yorkers um, and brands created by them. So it was all local, local only, only sun-grown, and it was to celebrate this, um, the, you know, New York's entry into cannabis, into legal cannabis, and to raise awareness about the differences in social economic equity within the cannabis industry, the differences between what is considered local and what is considered out of state, and the fact that we have so many registered organizations, these big corporate cannabis uh, companies that are now coming in thanks to OCM, Office of Cannabis Management, that has allowed them in like three years early. So it's sort of to raise awareness on all that, raise money for the farmers, and to celebrate New York's uh, local sun-grown, which many, a lot of it is, is really spectacular. So what, what happened? Why isn't the event happening now? So we, you know, the Cannabis Growers Showcase are, uh, was instituted by the state as a way to allow small farmers to sell their products directly to the customer because the rollout of the of the industry was so slow. They only have 23 dispensaries open. It's been mired in all kinds of problems and litigation. So these showcases were a way to allow farmers to move products. And um, because it can be expensive to rent a place and to advertise, the state allowed them to attach themselves to ongoing events. So they could be part of the state fair. They could be part of music festivals that were taking place. They could be part of Canastock that took place in the Hudson River Valley. And then the Cannabis Grower Showcase could take place within those. 
Most of those events had alcohol. And even though alcohol is not allowed in a cannabis grower showcase, the state blessed the ability for the cannabis grower showcase to be within an event that served alcohol because the grower showcase itself was separate from those alcohol sales. Our event was only cannabis, no alcohol. We, didn't, we don't have any alcohol. We were only um, providing free cannabis and, um, and, um, and allowing for consumption of cannabis outdoors in legally designated area. You're allowed to give away cannabis up to the legal possession amount to anyone 21 years or older, and you're allowed to smoke cannabis um, outdoors in most areas where you're allowed to smoke cigarettes except for your car. You can't smoke cannabis in your car. But Office of Cannabis Management and the Hochul administration um, were very upset that we were openly um, stating that one can smoke cannabis in the state of New York and that we were willing to give cannabis, that we were willing to have an open dab bar. You have open holiday booze bars all throughout the holiday season at weddings. People are very uh, known for open bars. But when it comes to consumption, the Hochul administration and the Office of Cannabis Management are so set against it, that they termed it as illegal, even though it's not legal. Uh, I mean, even though it's not illegal, excuse me, it's perfectly legal to smoke cannabis in the state of New York. I think we all know that, but they, they declared it illegal and they denied 18 farmers, some of whom this would have been their first chance to sell this year's cannabis, 2023, and some of them the first time that they were even attending a cannabis showcase. And the showcases are closing on the 31st. So there's, this was not only their first, but often their last time to do it, and they've denied them all. You know, these farmers are just trying to make money to make payroll for December, to buy gifts for their family. They're hardworking New Yorkers that, you know, work the land, and OCM turned their back on them entirely and turned their back on all of the patrons that wanted to come and meet them and enjoy this uh, event, and they turned their back on our organization which literally volunteers for the state, helping them process licenses for social and economic equity for free. We've donated over $30,000 worth of employee hours to, the, to Governor Hochul's administration to help um, the governor process social and economic equity applicant licenses. And they turned their back on all of us and, and uh, refused to permit the event. Did they did they give an actual legal reason? You say that they said it was illegal. Did they cite any of the current regulations or anything in this? No, they're not that sophisticated. They just stated that consuming cannabis and giving cannabis away was not legal in the state of New York is what it says on the document uh, that we received um, and that the, they, they termed those activities as illegal, um, both in cannabis law and in the regulations, um, which, of course, is, is inaccurate. Um, I know that they're understaffed, but they, they're also maybe somewhat unfamiliar with the law. Yeah. And how is the Office of Cannabis Management doing in, in your view and the view of the, the growers that you work with? Well, I imagine that their job is quite difficult and challenging, but I have to say, you know, we have found um, how they're doing to be uh, less than less than acceptable. Uh, we asked them to review. We had two farmers write a letter. We wrote a letter. We asked them to review the denial, um, and they refused to even look at the letter. We reached out directly to the Hochul administration. They refused to look at They didn't even respond to us. So that type of, I think, uh, comportment it's it's frowned upon by by definitely my organization i think the farmers are appreciative that the 
uh, OCM. You know, I don't want to speak for the farmers, but I do believe that they're appreciative that they've allowed for these cannabis growers showcase. I can only imagine most of them are disappointed to be turned away and disappointed that those grower showcases are sunsetting. So, um, you know, I don't want to speak for the farmers, but I, I imagine it's very difficult to to work so hard and to grow a crop and do everything legally by the book and then be shut down by the administration that is supposed to be supporting you and, you know, rewarding you for following the rules. Instead, it seems as if if you follow the rules in New York, you're going to get your, you're going to fall short. It's better to not follow the rules is the message that they seem to be putting out there. Yeah, I mean, part of the backstory of this is that uh, there there wasn't enough uh, dispensaries opening to meet the to sell essentially the product that these farmers have been growing, and it is a perishable product uh, uh, in in many of its forms. I mean, that's that's part. It sounds like that that hang up is part of what your event was trying to address. Yes. We were actually celebrating the 2023 harvest, so all of the items that would have been for sale at our event would have been fresh off of the the curing process. So the cannabis is harvested, it's dried, and then it's cured. And then everyone has their own uh, personal preference on how long they like to cure cannabis or how long they like their cannabis to be cured before they smoke it. Um, And then it it goes to uh, testing. And so the product at our event would have been all the 2023 harvest, the celebration of that. But yes, um, there is a shelf life to these products. Uh, Depending on how well you cure your cannabis um, or if you flash freeze it, it it can last longer than others. But absolutely, like any living thing on this planet, there's a shelf life to it. You know, along the lines of talking about New York's Office of Cannabis Management and the things that you were saying earlier, uh, you, you know, that that you said through, they're allowing out-of-state growers, big companies, in three years early. From your point of view, is that something that the Cannabis Board is choosing to do, or is it something that they've been forced into because I know there was out-of-state companies suing New York over this issue? Um, it's something that they chose to do. Ultimately, it's their decision. But yes, I believe it was part of their settlement agreement with those registered organizations. Um, but the fact that the Cannabis Control Board is constantly seeking to cut deals and, you know, take the shortcut. Uh, versus address the issue, I think it means that it, they really haven't solved anything. We're just going to see more and more litigation continually crop up until they actually address the issue. One of the things that they were sued over was the social and economic equity uh, plan and specifically the conditional adult use retail dispensary program, which they allowed only those people that have uh, convictions to be eligible to apply. And a lot of people thought that that was a great thing. And, and, And while we don't disagree that it's a good thing, you know, I would just merely point out that having a conviction in itself is not a social economic equity category. And this law was, was authored by Senator Liz Kruger in the Senate with, uh, you know, strong assistance and, and um, you know, co-authorship from Crystal People Stokes in the Assembly. And it was a hard-fought law for many years with many activists um, and, you know, and, and, and senators and Assembly uh, members really fighting for social justice in this law. And to see the cannabis industry sort of kick off with really out a nod to social and economic equity with sort of this other program that Office of Cannabis Management sort of created. You know, since then, 
many people have come out in support of cards. The people that have applied for the card, many of them are, are one, all of them, I'm sure, are, are great people. Um, but not all of them necessarily fit the description that the social and economic equity language in the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, now the cannabis law, really meant to address, which were individuals from communities disproportionately impacted. Um, and then, of course, if you were from that community and arrested and met an income, then you then you hit extra priority. But an arrest alone, it wasn't enough really to, to it wasn't considered a social and economic equity category. So you could be have been arrested and been a rich person or been arrested and not really had any other you know, or been busted with a joint, but not really had any other suffering like a, like an individual from a community disproportionately impacted and qualify for that card program. So it's a bit of a controversy, but they definitely received a lot of litigation on it. And the result of that litigation is the, where we are now, the deals that they've cut, letting the ROs in or the registered organizations in early. Okay. And you went right into the next thing I want to talk to you about, which is how is New York State doing in terms of uh, making sure that the rollout of legal cannabis is as equitable as possible. This was my biggest question when, you know, the laws were changing, when the Cannabis Control Board was first formed. This is something that I kept wanting to know because uh, almost three years ago now, back in, in February of 2021, uh, NPR filed a story called America's Next Generation of Legal Marijuana, New State Laws Focus on Racial Equity. One of the things that they noted in there is that in states like uh Colorado, where they they you know had to try to have something that's equitable in the state's laws, like they they essentially failed. And so I was looking at this from the beginning, wondering is New York going to be able to pull this off and actually do this in an equitable way? So that's that's kind of still my question. That's that's why I'm talking to you about it. it sounds like you're saying it's kind of bungling it. I mean, I would say it's fair assessment to say that they've bungled it. I mean, they, they initiated the entire conditional program based on whether you were a hemp grower or had been uh, uh, convicted or arrested for cannabis. I don't um, I apologize. I'm not sure if it was just an arrest or that you actually had to be convicted. But those are the two requirements. Social and economic equity was not a requirement to get a conditional license. So for me, in my perspective, not even speaking for New York Small Pharma, but for Nicole Ricci, who is a lifelong New Yorker and who fought for legalization, that to me is disappointing. It is actually heartbreaking to see that. Um, that is not to say that those people that got the conditional processing or cultivation or uh, dispensary licenses wouldn't have met those other categories. Some of them would have met those other categories, but that wasn't the intent of the regulators when they set up this program. And so for that, I find the program disappointing. And, you know, since then, we haven't really seen a lot of action in the realm of social and economic equity. They have done a few things here and there, but we really haven't seen it. And I think coming out against cannabis culture, coming out against consumption, denying 18 farmers the ability to, and it's not just those 18 farmers, right? They all have employees. They all have families. Their employees have families. It, it affects hundreds of people when a business suffers, you know, and to, to, to deny them based on consumption and without even a dialogue with an organization that has been volunteering time for this administration. It, it, to me, yeah, that's all a bungle in, in my book. That's how I define it. And I guess finally, the thing I wanted to ask you about is I was shocked uh, just a, a couple months ago to hear reporting in New York State 
that talked about uh, Ill- essentially illegal non-certified dispensaries in the state. I was shocked to hear how many there were, that there are thousands of these. So you're talking about certification processes that that uh, at least were intended to uh, make some headway in terms of equity. And uh, But here there's all of these unlicensed dispensaries that are still out there in New York State. Right. So they have done very little. They have done some, but an extremely small amount um, to address the illicit shops in in New York City. And because of that, grower showcases that take place in the city are doing quite poorly. And dispensaries, legal dispensaries are even suffering. There's a lot of legal dispensaries that aren't doing well. So because there are, like you said, thousands and thousands of illicit shops, you know, meanwhile, again, I hate to hammer this point home, but meanwhile, for these legal farmers that were setting up a legal market, they were all over our website, all over our Instagram, conducting investigation to try to determine whether we were doing something legal or illegal versus just having a conversation with us and then denied the market. They have time to do these things, but not time to work with the legal players to ensure that they have the ability to sell. And, you know, I just think that with, I just, as soon as those large, uh, you know, MSOs open up, as soon as those large registered organizations open up, many of them already on the shelves of the dispensary, I think anyone who's out there trying to start a dispensary, especially under a social and economic equity plan with little funds and, you know, already marginalized in society with difficulty reaching loans on a regular basis, let alone in the cannabis industry, which is ninefold more difficult. I just think that they're, they're in a much, they're in a very difficult position. And I just don't know that OCM's priorities are in the right place when I see some of the choices that they're making and action that they're not taking. So what is next for small pharma and by extension or on the side, what's next for you? So um, what's next for New York Small Pharma is we're definitely, uh, you know, we're working to figure out our next uh, event. It'll be invitation only. Anybody who wants to go to the event who doesn't want a refund will definitely have an invite. If people want a refund, of course, we'll be, are going to refund their, their, their money. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to work on our next event. It's going to be focused on the farmers because that's really where we focus. Farmers and social economic equity will be focusing on, you know, the small players, the, the micro licenses, the tier ones, tier twos. Um, and we're going to hold an event that, that brings them together and, and, and supports them. And we're going to continue to bring education and science to the cultivators and assistance and resources to social and economic equity and regenerative cultivation to the state of New York. So we're, we're not going to be discouraged or bullied or, or chased out in fear. And we're going to continue to celebrate cannabis culture and exercise our legal rights to consume cannabis outside of our house. We don't have to hide in our homes to consume. And we're going to continue to, to let people know what the law is so that this type of thing doesn't happen again. Okay. Well, again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and, and uh, just giving us all this information. Thank you. Thank you so much for your interest. I really hope that um, some listeners are interested in, in learning more about what we do and definitely come to our website, www.nysmallpharma.org. Uh, we definitely need the support of the people because the struggle is real and the mountain is high. And this was a big hit for us. So we appreciate all of all the patrons and, and we will have another event coming up soon and we look forward to seeing everyone there.
Thank you so much for your interest. I appreciate you having us. Okay, Nicole Ricci, President and Treasurer of New York Small Pharma. This has been the Local Edition. Daily is up next right after these headlines from NPR right here on Radio Catskill. Listen local.